Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Mixed Martial Analysis where we're going to be breaking down the main card at UFC 249 and I'm, this entire fight card is stacked right top to bottom. Uh, I did a breakdown on the early prelims, the prelims and now we're going to do the main card but I mean on the early prelims you got Ryan Spann and Sam Alvey, Bryce Mitchell and Charles Rosa that's a really exciting fight, Vicente Luque and Nico Price. Um, then you hop over to the prelims, and you got number 10 ranked Uriah Hall taking on Jacare Souza, Carlos Sparza, and Michelle Waterson. That's a pretty pivotal matchup in the women's strawweight division. Alexio Linick and Fabricio Doom are facing off, two of the most accomplished submission artists in the heavyweight history, right? And then Anthony Pettis is uh, fighting Donald Cerrone, and this is the second time they fought. Uh, Anthony Pettis finished him last time, hit him with that kick to the body when he switched off to the southpaw stance, and, you know... Cowboy's susceptible to those body shots, man. And Pettis knows that now, too, going into that fight, so that makes it interesting, right? Uh, anyway, moving on to this main card. I mean, stack, top to bottom, too, right? Greg Hardy versus Jorgen DeCastro. Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Cater. Francis Ngannou versus Jarzino Rosenstrike. Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz for the Bantamweight title. And Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje um, for the lightweight interim title bout. And I know that you don't... You're not, you're not getting Tony Ferguson versus Habib, and I think that's the fight that everybody really wants to see. But if you can't have that, this is probably the next best thing, man. I mean, I know Justin Gaethje is ranked number four on the official rankings, but I think everybody is pretty much in consensus after Habib beat Connor, And uh, obviously he beat Dustin and stuff too, right? But I think everyone's pretty much agrees that Tony Ferguson is the most deserving and right behind him is Justin Gaethje. Uh, like a lot of people were getting pissed off when they talk about Connor getting a rematch against Habib and leapfrogging Justin. And I mean, hard to argue, right? Justin's had a great career in the UFC so far, only suffered two losses to Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez. And then he racks up three knockouts in a row. But um, yeah, man, this th this fight card is going to be amazing. And it's just so, it's it's so great to have live sports back on again, right? And We've talked about this before too, but I mean, it's a brilliant move by the UFC in a way in terms of business. Like people want to see live sports and also you can feel the like kind of climate. People are getting a little sick of this. They want a little bit of return to normalcy and nothing is more normal than having live sports on. And Dana White knows it and fighting is one of those weird ones where you can kind of get away with it, man. Like, I don't know. I, he's going to be the only sport on. He's going to be dominating the market of live sports. And they're putting on three events in eight days, and then they got another one a week after that. So, I mean, they're trying to turn it out, man. Um, but anyway, as a fan, how can you not be excited? I mean, all this COVID shit aside and, like, what the right or wrong answer is, uh, you can go into it all day. But the point is that it's happening. Uh, I'm excited, and I'm sure most of you are as well. So, I mean, without further ado, let's let's get into talking about this main card. And the first fight is going to be a heavyweight bout between Jorgen DeCastro and Greg Hardy. and <laughs> this is hard because I don't have a lot of like, I mean, heavyweights are always hard to predict as it is, but I don't have a lot. I haven't seen a lot on Jorgen DeCastro other than his UFC fight and the Dana White contender series bout. Um, obviously he has knockout power, one punch knockout power. A lot of heavyweights have that though, but I gotta be honest after seeing Greg Hardy, I don't, it's hard to get too in depth with this one. Cause I don't know a lot about either guy, but it, it it's also just so hard to predict how when guys are like, like Jorgen DeCastro 6-0, right? And what's Greg Hardy? Like, 
five and three or something with that no contest. It, it's so hard to predict what kind of progress they're going to make in a short period of time, right? Like you don't, and I, I just tend to think that Greg Hardy with his athletic background is going to make massive leaps in between each fights. And you he's kind of had an already like storied career, which I sort of like in a way, I feel like it's prepared him for maybe like opening up a main card moment like this. I mean, he was on that very first fight card that the UFC put on ESPN when Hen it was on ESPN plus, right. But Henry Cejudo fought TJ Dillashaw and he was on there and he got disqualified, I believe for an illegal knee. And everybody was like, man, this guy shouldn't be fighting on like a main card in the UFC he just doesn't have the experience. And I mean, good point, right? not saying that he deserved to be there because what you want is the best representation of martial arts that you can get. Right. But then he goes out, beats a couple of like relatively not anybody that anybody's too excited about. Right. But he beats them. And then he runs into man. Who was it? I, I just got to pull up his record. Cause I'm going to walk you guys through this in the wrong order. If not, but I believe after that, he got a couple wins and then his no contest came into play. Yeah, he beat Dmitry Smolikayev and then won Adams. And then he had a he fought Ben Sassoli, that's right, and he originally picked up a unanimous decision win, fought a good fight, and then he used that inhaler, right? So, I mean, in the short span of time that this guy's been on the roster since January of 2019, so just over a year and a half, he's had, like, all this fucking shit go down right like he's got an interesting career so far and then he goes off and fights alexander volkov who's one of the top heavyweights in the world and a formal a former title holder jeez tongue-tied a former title holder over in bellator so i mean it's hard it's just hard in this fight not to give the nod to greg hardy obviously jorgen de castro's knockout power he could finish him but greg hardy i think is just so big he's so physically imposing and like i said with his athletic background like playing at a prof an NFL level, he's extraordinarily athletic. I think that he's going to be able to make progress in rapid, like he's going to be able to make rapid progress in short amounts of time. And it's hard not to give him the nod in this fight. I think he's going to get the finish, but you know, um, he, he seems to be maturing in a weird sense and that he like went to, he probably could have done a little more to go a little more aggressively at Ben Sassoli and hunt for the finish. But you know, also, he used an inhaler, says, I mean, obviously a little bit winded, right? The cardio came into play, but went three rounds with Alexander Volkov and didn't look terrible, man. Didn't look terrible. Um, it's hard to think that he's not going into this fight with a lot of confidence and a lot. I mean, knowing that the it just feels like a big, momentous moment. And if Jorgen DeCastro can pull it off, I mean, he's going to be... His, it, it, does, it instantly does wonders for his name and his credibility, right? It just shoots him through the roof. So... We'll see. I'm taking Greg Hardy, though. I think it'll be an early finish. I think these guys are going to go at it. I think either way it ends, it's going to be an early finish. And like I said, it's not like, not like Jorgen DeCastro can't win, but I like Hardy. All right, moving on to the next fight. And there are so many fights on this fucking card, the entire card that could be fight of the night. But I'm really, really excited about Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Cater, a featherweight bout between the number seven ranked guy, Stevens, and number nine, Cater. And Cater has some of the best crisp, like, beautiful boxing in the featherweight division um his, his main weapon is definitely his hands he'll mix kicks and stuff in but in terms of actually having like the more varied mma attack i'm I, I, 
it's not that Cater's not good, right? And like I, I just lean towards Steven. I think Stevens has like a more well-rounded skill set, and he's just been in so many. I mean, Cater's a vet man. He's like twenty and four. Don't get me wrong, but Stevens is a guy who's been fighting in the UFC for years and has fought some of the very best that there is to, that they have to offer, like religiously throughout his career. Like his record is a little bit. Also, you got to kind of realize that Jeremy Stevens is one of those guys who, like, he's blessed with incredible knockout power. And when it works out for him, it's great. But if not, he has to find, like, a different path to victory. And it's, it, it, you got to find a balance because it's hard not to lean on something that you know can put, you know, you have a weapon that can put somebody out. You want to lean on it, man. So it's like, how do you find that balance? And I think you see that a little more from Stevens in each and every fight that he's finding it. Like, he has nasty leg kicks. He's really good in the clinch. He's, I mean, he's got a well-rounded game plan, right? He trains at, he trains at Alliance with uh, Dominic Cruz. So, they're going to, in terms of overall, like, MMA skill set, I give a slight advantage to Jeremy Stevens. And like I said, it's mainly because of his fights against high-level competition. And you'll just see him, when he fights younger guys sometimes... You you see guys like Zabit like kind of overwhelm him right, and that shit happens. But you'll see him fight lesser experienced guys, and it's obvious that he's doing things that veterans do. Like I point to this example all the time, but like hitting elbows off the break. So <sighs> this is tough because both of these guys have knockout power. Like I said, but Stevens is more like he could end it at any time, knockout power, and Caters is more like he's probably going to box you up and find a no- create an opening with his boxing and land the shot. Um, don't get me wrong. This is a winnable fight for Jeremy Stevens. Like this is a great fucking matchup. And Jeremy, like I said, Jeremy Stevens always has the potential to put you out, but I like Calvin Cater. I think his hands are going to be significantly better. He's going to be a little bit quicker when they get into exchanges. And I think the key for Stevens in this fight, like we just talked about, he's going to have to be mixing so much up and using all of his weapons and, throwing that power at the right time you he has to use all of his weapons in order to create to create the opening for the power shots that he wants to throw right so uh if he just gets into like a striking match with cater he might land something but in those exchanges i like cater to stay i think his i think his boxing combos are just going to be smoother he's going to have the timing down he's going to have the head movement and he's going to have the everything's going to be a little bit tighter and he'll be beating stevens on things he's great at countering too and if stevens fights aggressive you know that plays indicators hands a little bit i think so uh, this is a tough fight to pick man i think cater's gonna win i do but this one to me is a toss-up, man. I would not want to put money on it because you can never count Stevens out of a fight. But I'm going Calvin Cater. I think it'll be a decision. I think Stevens is going to be hard to put away. And I think Cater's just going to kind of box him up over the course of three rounds. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm going Cater unanimous decision. But it's not like Cater can't knock Stevens out. So, I mean, th- this fight has a very good possibility of being finished too i mean so many things could go on in this fight that's why i'm so excited for it there's so many possibilities and so many ways it could play out um sort of unlike the next one right where you kind of feel like it's i don't want to say it because i don't want to jinx it so i'm actually i'm i'm not gonna say it but francis and ganu versus jarzino rosenstrike i mean we all know right we all know if i if i speak it out loud it's not gonna happen but we know we 
I don't know. I feel it feels taboo to talk about it seriously. But Francis Ngannou versus Rosito Rosenstrike. What we can say is that these are two of the most dangerous guys in the UFC heavyweight division. Um, Jarzino Rosenstrike fighting out of Suriname. 10-0. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, by the way. Big guy. These guys are the same height. 6'4". And Francis Ngannou fighting out of Cameroon. And uh, obviously, I mean, if you look at Francis Ngannou's track record, man, he's fought some of the biggest names in the heavyweight division's history. I mean, granted, a lot of these guys are older, right? They're, they're not exactly in their prime. I mean, Curtis Blades is a, a notable one. Steve Miocic, he obviously lost that. Uh, but, like, Overeem, Arlovsky, Cain Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, like, those are guys that – they're older guys, man. And, the, yes, it's impressive, and his knockout power is undeniable. But what's so intriguing about this fight to me is what's going to happen when you get another up-and-coming contender that gets in, that's hungry and is has incredible knockout power and not, like – He'll drop you with a short check left hook like he did against fucking uh, Arlovsky, right? He finished Alistair Overeem late in the fifth round, like four seconds left. So you've got this guy who has the potential to do to Nganu what Nganu has do, been doing to everybody else, right? So that's what makes it exciting. And, you know, they both possess tremendous power. I got to lean towards Francis Ngannou because just when you watch him, there's just like, it's not just that he's landing with power and it's not that Jarzino isn't doing a great job of finding these openings to get the finishes as well. But it seems like when they get into like boxing exchanges, it seems like Ngannou not only has the power down, but the timing aspect down. And he's pretty good with like the feints and timing stuff up. And everybody's so hesitant and afraid of his power that any movement he throws at you, you almost have to react to. And it ends up setting his hands up. And he, he's able to find these finishes, man. And I just, it, when he is on, and it, it's almost just a matter of time before he connects with you and puts you to sleep. I mean, you saw in the Steep A fight that some things got exposed. I mean, there were some things in the grappling department that obviously needed shored up. But. I mean, you got to get him there. Like, Curtis Blade's one of the best wrestlers ever. Fought him twice and hasn't really been able to do it, you know. He's so – it's hard to pick against Ngannou. But Rosenstrike can definitely finish this fight as well, and that's what makes it so exciting. Like I said, you're not just seeing Ngannou run through some, like, older guy in the division. You're, uh, you're getting to see him fight a real up-and-coming contender, and that makes this really exciting. So it's a big fight for both guys, and the winner of this is going to be talking about, like, potential. You're going to have to be talking about title contention. Um, I know there's some other names at heavyweight. I know DC and Stipe has to happen, but it's hard not to throw these guys up there. And if Jarzino beats, like, Nganu, maybe him versus Blades for uh, the title contender, I don't know. But I like Nganu in this one, but don't get me wrong, man. Could go either way. Ask it all of these. That's what makes this fight card so great, too, is that the matchups are so great. Okay, moving on. We've got a bantamweight bout between Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. And Dominic Cruz was originally – I'm sorry, Henry Cejudo was originally supposed to fight Jose Aldo. Obviously, all this COVID shit has thrown, like, a lot of – there's been a lot of complications and stuff, right? So, Dominic Cruz steps in, and I think that a lot of people are maybe confused about this because of his inactivity, but you got to understand – one thirty five is in such a weird spot right now because I feel like to me this is how I feel about one thirty five right I feel like there's three contenders 
that need to figure it the fuck out. And it's Aljamain Sterling. It's Corey Sandhagen. And it's Piotr Jan. Those three, not that there aren't other players, but to me, I want to know what's going on with those three. There needs to be a contender that emerges out of that. Like those three, there have to be matchups that occur between them in order for things to progress. Um, in the meantime, though, those guys aren't stars. Like, I, I'm not saying they're not more deserving than Dominic Cruz. If it's me and you're being a purist and I'm, mad, and I'm making the fight, I'd probably give it to one of those three. It would be a tough decision about which one, but I would probably give it to one of them. But Dominic Cruz has the most recognizable name, and you cannot deny the fact that he is the consensus greatest bantamweight of all time. Uh, his loss against Cody Garbrandt was a definitive one, but it also was just like his style got exposed. You found, a f you found that Cody's boxing style matched up really well against Dominic Cruz's style because Cody was able to sit in the pocket and wait for Dom to come to him and then throw off counters, right? So the question is going to be, is Henry Cejudo's style a good matchup for Dominic Cruz? Obviously, he has the wrestling background, but he fights in more of this like karate stance. And one of the things that makes me nervous is that Henry Cejudo still only has one fight at 135, and it was against Marlon Marias, who lit him up in the first round, which Marias does do a lot of people just because he's explosive and he's a fast starter, right? But you got to see that Marias really faded. And not that Cejudo faded. Cejudo obviously won the fight and controlled everything, right? But Cejudo also looked a little bit gassed to me and I know that he got beat up and that'll have an impact on your cardio but you know what else is fucking exhausting missing punches and Dominic Cruz is better than maybe anybody in UFC history at making people miss so the question is going to be is Henry Cejudo going to be able to cover the distance and land and deal with Dom coming in at these crazy angles and is he going to be able to keep up with the footwork because I'll tell you, in the fifth round, Dominic Cruz is probably going to be moving just as much as he was in the first. Um, also, you have to consider the fact that Dominic Cruz is a big guy. And he's probably going to be naturally bigger than Henry Cejudo. And he's Dominic Cruz is great at creating scrambles when people take him down. And there's a difference between MMA wrestling and like Olympic wrestling. And Dominic Cruz is a... He's incredible, man. I mean, I feel like people are sleeping on him a little bit in this fight. I think that Dominic Cruz actually has the edge. He spent his entire career at this weight class. I think he's going to be a little bit bigger framed. I think he's going to have the reach advantage. And I think over the course of the fight, he's going to wear Henry out. I think Henry has to finish him to win this fight. I really do. I can't see Henry controlling and beating up on Dom for five rounds. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, Henry Cejudo is very skillful, man. And his wrestling is high level. But I just think that Dom's going to be able to create scrambles in those situations and work his way back to his feet. He's never resting. And I think that Henry Cejudo is going to have to be prepared to miss punches in this fight, and I think that might tire him out. I think, I think it might, man. I, maybe I'm fucking crazy, and I'm not ruling Henry. I, 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 I hate that I have to justify this about all of these because I'm just giving you my opinion, right? I don't really know what's going to happen. You obviously can't rule anybody out, but – I'm, I'm giving the fight to Dominic Cruz. I think he's going to win a decision. Also, Dom's not really a finisher, so he'll be patient. He'll slowly tire Henry out. So I just think that this fight, the difference is going to be that Henry Cejudo is always going to have to be adjusting to what Dominic Cruz is doing, and Cruz isn't going to have to be adjusting to what Dominic's doing. Or Cruz isn't going to have to be adjusting to what Cejudo's doing. Um, 
I think Cruz is always just kind of kind of be one step ahead there, and his style is super frustrating. So I think he's kind of kind of dig Cejudo into a hole over the course of the fight, and that'll cause you know shots to start opening up more for Cruz and stuff, and he'll really get to implement his game plan in the later rounds. That's what I think is going to happen. But um, the key for Henry Cejudo is not getting into that hole early, starting fast. I think you got to hit you've definitely got to land some shots on Dominic Cruz to make him respect you. Otherwise he's going to come in and just pop you and get out. Like you saw against Cody, there were times where he was hesitant, where he might've been entering in on throwing some shots and stuff a little bit more. Right. So you got to shut it down a little bit early. If he gets in the rhythm, it's going to be very hard to stop because it's so funky. And then he knows he's got you. And then he starts mixing it up and doing some other shit. You know, it's <laughs> Dominic Cruz is probably the, he has one of the highest fight IQs in MMA, in my opinion. I feel like he's always cognizant about what's going on. So I'm taking Dominic Cruz, man. Unanimous decision. Um, yeah, apologize for how long-winded that was. Okay, moving on to the lightweight interim title bout between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. And like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, if you can't have Habib versus Tony, then this is the next best thing you can do. I think that these two guys are definitely considered the top two contenders in the division. I think you've got Habib sitting up top, and he's widely, unanimously regarded as the best. Then Tony Ferguson is the most deserving of a title shot currently, and the next guy in line would be Gaethje. So, like I said, if you can't get Ferguson, uh, Habib, at least he can get the next best thing. This fight is so interesting because it, it i think it's going to be a real battle of wills these are two guys that are willing to march through fire in order to land damage um they're both not afraid of getting into i mean these brawls they both have they both have a wrestling background i think ferguson probably has an edge in jiu-jitsu being a 10th planet black belt but gaethje has a probably a stronger wrestling base than ferguson and um I'll tell you one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot in this fight. And I know that Ferguson's entire career has been able, it's like built on his ability to survive and persevere. And I mean, put a pace on people that they can't keep up with, but he, in order to do that, he almost always has to go through some sort of adversity. And when the adversity is fighting and like that adversity includes taking head damage i'm afraid that it catches up to you at some point like i can think of fights right now off the top of my head that tony ferguson has been dropped in um L lando venata uh kevin lee abel Trujillo. um i know there's another one uh i don't know if he got dropped in the barboza fight there's one more that i'm thinking of and i can't I can't get it off the top, but my point is, oh, Anthony Pettis, of course, Anthony Pettis. So the question is, to me, the big question is, if, is Justin going to be able to catch Tony? And if so, is Tony going to be able to survive? Because again, consider how good Justin's wrestling base is and consider how good Tony's jujitsu is. Think about how that's going to match up because if one of them gets dropped, it's going to have to go to the ground. Um, I think the person most likely to drop the other person is probably Gagey dropping Ferguson. I think he packs a little bit more power in his punches. He's, he's proven also over his last few fights that he has that like one punch knockout power. Whereas Ferguson is going to really wear it on you. And the knockout kind of stems from him, you know, just relentlessly pouring it on you. That's not necessarily, I mean, Justin Gagey has done that in the past as well. Um, but 
like I said, there's something about having the ability to just shut the lights off with one shot that really changes, I mean, the complete the dynamic of the fight. So Justin Gaethje knows he has that power now. He's realized it. He's been doing it pretty consistently. He's been putting guys out. And if he catches Tony, is Tony going to go out? So, I mean, I know there's a lot more to it than that. I think that it, as the core, as I think that this is a fight where it's going to be really competitive early on, and you're going to see really close rounds in probably round one and two. If the finish doesn't come for Justin by the end of round two or the middle of round three. I think you're going to start seeing the pace of Tony Ferguson start to pick up and it'll start to take over. I think he'll start implementing – I think he'll start landing and just being able to push Gagey backwards a little bit, you know? So uh, I think as the fight wears on, it starts leaning towards Ferguson and earlier on it favors Gagey. Um, uh, I don't know. They they could obviously both get the finish. This is another one where it could go so many different ways, man. Like if Tony rocks Justin and gets him down, he could ca- he could catch him in a darsh. If uh, Gaethje rocks Ferguson, he could get. To, I mean, he might put him out cold if he clips him, or he might drop him, and they have to get into these like wrestling and jujitsu exchanges, and you'll get to see maybe a little more insight into how good Justin Gaethje's wrestling is. I mean, a lot of variables to consider, man, and it could go either way. But like I said, how. Oh, one other very important thing to consider, and I think Justin Gaethje would be wise to implement in this fight, leg kicks. He, I know he does it in all of his fights, but Ferguson is there to be hit. Not that Gaethje's not, but Ferguson's there to be hit. And I think that you can – I think if Gaethje is able to chew up the legs of Ferguson, that would pay dividends later in the fight because it would negate or at least inhibit a little bit the ability of Tony Ferguson to put pressure on Justin. So that's something to consider. Um Whoever's winning the leg kick battle very well may end up winning the fight. I don't know. Like I said, a lot of ways this could go. Officially, I'm going to go with Justin Gaethje. Like I said, I like I like the fact that he's been finding these openings and getting these knockouts. And I think like there's something about realizing that you're able to not only pull it off, but pull off these one-shot knockouts against elite-level guys in the UFC. And Tony Ferguson has been dropped several times. That makes me nervous. And I'm just nervous that the next time might be the one that puts the lights out. Um, and I think that if, like I said, a, a finish from Tony is going to have to be a little bit more methodical and a little bit more slower paced, whereas Justin has the ability to end it like that. And that's really the only, that's why I'm leaning towards Justin, but, um, it's a great fucking fight between two of the best fighters in the division and the winner is going to be crowned the interim champ and we'll get a shot against Habib. And you can't be disappointed about either of these guys. There's like some, almost, I don't know what to call it. There's like something about the Ferguson and Habib fight that almost feels magical because of the run that both of these guys have been on. And a part of you wants to root for Tony Ferguson because you almost want to see that fight happen so bad. But in reality, these two are going to probably cross paths at some point anyway. So if Tony Ferguson is the best in the world, I mean, it's almost unfortunate that he's had to do so so many times, but it seems like he can really cement his place as the best in the world on Saturday night. And same for Justin Gaethje. He gets to prove that all this hype about Ferguson uh, maybe was only because I'm not here. So, or I wasn't here. So we get to figure it out Saturday night. Who's going to fight Habib next. And the lightweight division takes a step in the right direction. Um, The interim title, I could care less about the title. Like, they're going to have to fight Habib in order to earn that. Nobody's going to view them as the actual title holder here. They know that, I think. This is a number one contender fight. But, uh, yeah, man, very excited. The cards are going to be 
amazing. Like I said, stacked from top to, top to bottom. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be nice having live sports on, just something to watch, man. I mean, you can't even flick the TV on and have like basketball or like anything running in the background, baseball, nothing. So as a fight fan, I'm obviously super excited, but I think that it's going to be a good deal for the UFC because I think a lot of people that don't usually watch fighting are going to tune in just because it's live. There's something about it being live that makes you, I don't know, feel connected to it in some weird way or something, right? But yeah, man, it, it's it, good to have the UFC back and we're only two days away. Um, thank you everybody for tuning into the podcast. And uh, if you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, we're available on YouTube. And if you're checking us out on YouTube, make sure if you just want the audio version, you can get it on any major uh, podcast provider, like whatever platform you use, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Store, all that shit. It should be anywhere you look, basically. So check us out there. And um, yeah, thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye.